Welcome, everyone, to Dead Talk Live. I'm your host, Viz, and I want to welcome all of our viewers from around the world. Good evening, good morning to some of you. If you are joining us for the first time and you want more information about our show, please visit us on our website at deadtalklive.com. Also, please visit any of our other other streaming services, and particularly YouTube. If you have not yet visited our YouTube channel, please go ahead and do so. It's called Dead Talk Live. Feel free to subscribe. And if you're there right now, please hit the thumbs up button on this broadcast. So how's everyone doing on this Thursday evening here in the United States? I know for some of you, it is Friday morning. want to welcome some of you guys. Of course, we have our regular moderators with us. I want to welcome CeCe Wheezy, who's also joining us. Philip Thompson is with us on Facebook. Our regular Lindsay Sparks is also with us on Facebook. Zelda just joined us on Instagram. Carlos is with us. Marcio, Autotaller, welcome, welcome, welcome. Like I said, I hope everyone is having a good day. And let's just get right to it today. Let's just get right to the news. And who saw the trailer? The new uh, Walking Dead trailer for those six bonus episodes that was dropped today. I got to tell you, it looks good. But, you know, I've said this before. All trailers look good. They can make the worst movie look amazing in a trailer. But I got to say, this looks really, really enticing. And we got a shot of Lucille actually taking someone out. So what's the backstory behind that? You know, I can't wait for that sixth and final bonus episode. That is the one that I'm really looking forward to. You know, where we get to find out about Negan, his backstory, uh, Lucille, you know, Hillary Burton Morgan, uh, JD's real wife, is going to be playing Lucille. I just can't wait for it. So let's go ahead and watch that trailer. For those of you who have not seen it, uh, let's just go ahead and watch it. Let's start with your name. Where are you from? Where were you when the fall happened? You know what? Let me restart that. I screwed it up. Start uh, with your name. Here we go. Where are you from? Where were you when the fall happened? We both know this world. The dead. It's gonna catch up to us eventually. Evil people aren't the exception to the rule. They are the rule. Three, two, one! You can come on home. He asked how his daddy died. I told him that a bad man killed him. And he wanted to know if that man caught what he deserved. Pig, little pig. Let me in. Gotta love how they finished that out. I mean, what do you guys think about that? I mean, a lot of stuff. A lot of stuff in that little trailer. A lot, a lot of stuff in that little trailer. Um, damn, why is Aaron threatening to kill himself? We see Lucille take out a walker. Uh, Maggie telling Daryl about Herschel Jr. asking about his daddy and her telling him that he was taken out by a very bad man. 
and Herschel Jr. asking if that bad man got what he deserved. A lot of interesting stuff in there, and I can't wait. I can't wait till February 28th to see all that. Uh, it's going to be exciting. It's going to be great. Now, they're hyping up this trailer as a... I've seen it multiple times today already, and I've seen a lot of headlines where they it is showing that something bad is going to happen to one of our main characters. I, I Like I said, I've watched it multiple times today, uh, besides the normal stuff of, you know, the dead attacking the living, some explosions, some arrows being shot, Yumiko, uh, you know, in a hood, uh, Princess and Ezekiel all in a, locked up in a train car. The Commonwealth is not that friendly, uh, which I got to point out. It does actually surprise me that they are going to go into any kind of depth as to what happens with Yumiko, Eugene, Ezekiel, and Princess. That's season 11. That's the Commonwealth. So how they're going to actually approach that in the six bonus episodes, I'm really curious to see how they're going to play, how they're going to fit that in. Uh, but obviously it's there. The Commonwealth does not trust people. We see them questioning them. Uh, where were you when the fallout happens? This is a direct quote from that teaser. Um, we saw Robert Patrick. That's right. The Terminator from Terminator 2. Liquid Man. Uh, all like beat the hell, scarred up. Uh, it looks like he's not playing a good guy. Which is great. Because Robert Patrick has done a lot of roles in his time as an actor. He has played good guys and bad guys. And he's always much more fascinating when he plays the bad guy. And he has an intense look on his face. Uh, and Gabriel. Dude, what's up with Gabriel? I mean, that guy has undergone a major, major flip. And, you know, thinking back... It really started when Jadis took him hostage, was going to trade him to the CRM. Instead, she did it with Rick. But if you go all the way back to that point, we have very slowly seen Gabriel become more and more cold-blooded. Right? And the culmination was when he took out Dante, uh, Revenge for Killing Sadiq. And in this teaser, boy, uh, looking at Gabriel, uh, let's go back to compare him to when we first met him. Looking at him in this uh, teaser trailer that we got today, he is someone I don't want to mess with. Because he looks like he will kill you in a heartbeat. That's how far Gabriel has come along. Um, Singer Check writes, I wondered if maybe... His killing of Dante just pushed him over the edge. I'm telling you, that was that was a big turning point. That was a big turning point. Uh, that was just an indicator of just like the direction that his character was going. It was uh, it was going into a dark place, and he just seems like he's getting deeper and deeper into that dark place. Welcome to Loida. Uh, on Facebook, who just joined us. Uh, 
just going through the Instagram. Welcome to Sonia, who just joined us on Instagram. So anyway, let's go ahead and actually read the article that accompanies that trailer. AMC released a brand new Walking Dead trailer with loads of juicy tidbits for the six upcoming episodes of the now extended season 10, which will begin airing on February 28th. They include our first look at Terminator 2 star Robert Patrick as a new character named Maze, as well as some more shots of the masked warrior Elijah, played by Cobra Kai's Okea uh, Eme Aquari. That is far from all. We also get to see Commonwealth soldiers beating down Eugene's group. While hearing portions of an interrogation, Aaron seemingly engaging in what looks like could be a game of Russian roulette, and our first footage of Glenn and Maggie's baby, Herschel. He's asked how his daddy died. Maggie tells Daryl in the trailer, I told him a bad man killed him, and he wanted to know if that man got what he deserved. And in parentheses, the right, the answer is no. Uh, which leads us to perhaps the most intriguing footage of all, a leather jacket, red scarf clad Negan tapping on the floor with his barbed wire covered bat Lucille while demanding, little pig, little pig, let me in. And I'm going to go out on a limb and I'm going to put my little two cents in about what that scene is. I think, this is my own theory. I think that is probably the last several minutes of the final episode of these bonus six episodes. After he has to take out his own wife. And also my prediction, if you heard me earlier on, say that he probably took her out when she turned with that baseball bat. And that's why that baseball bat means so much to him. But that, you know, him at the end of that trailer, banging on the floor with the bat, you know, saying the little pig, little pig line. I think it's right after he kills Lucille and he transforms into Monster Negan. That's my guess. That's my guess. That would, that's what makes the most sense to me right now. I could be, of course, completely wrong. Uh, it's just my theory. I think it's at the end of the sixth episode, minutes before the ending, after his wife Lucille is dead, and we see the, the rising of evil Negan. So we have to wait and see. Singer Chick writes, he's a man of the... Oh, talking about Gabriel. He's a man of the cloth. He already had to live with his conscience over the, his congregation. But then to actually hands on Butcher, another human being, Dante, may have just been too much for him. Welcome, Rhea from the Philippines. How you doing, Rhea? Welcome to the broadcast. Welcome, Muhammad and Julie on Instagram. So, we already know that Morgan's real-life wife, Hillary Burton Morgan, will be appearing in either flashbacks or visions as Negan's former TV wife, Lucille, in one of the upcoming episodes. We already know which one. They've told us. It's, it's the last one. Uh, how these scenes uh, we get 
uh, out of Negan here wrapping the bat, drawing a gun, or walking out of a burning cabin relate to the appearance of a human Lucille remains unclear. But all will start to be revealed with the new when the new batch of episodes begin to air on February 28th on AMC. In the meantime, check out the trailer above for even more clues. And now we wait. And it's not that far away. Just a little bit over a month away. And we get to watch it. We get to watch the six bonus episodes of The Walking Dead. And right after those are over, it's going to go straight into the second half of Fear the Walking Dead. Uh, the second half of season six. So we're going to have Walking Dead for, you know, starting at the end of February for several months. The Walking Dead and then on to Fear the Walking Dead. So let's get on to some different news here. Dread Central's guide to the most terrifying horror movie screenings at Sundance this coming year. And Sundance is a film festival. And I don't know how much you guys know about these festivals like Sundance, Tribeca. God knows there's a ton of them. There are people out there who made movies. Uh, they got funding one way or another. Some are very low budget. Some are not so low budget. And they go to these film festivals and compete and try to get their movie picked up by a film studio. You know, that that's the nutshell version of what these film festivals are all about. So in these festivals, you get to see a lot of great movies that have a, a really good chance of getting picked up by a major studio and to be released, if it was normal times, it would go to a theater. But in today's COVID pandemic times, it will probably go straight to video on demand. But either way, the Sundance Film Festival will kick off its program for 2021 in exactly one week. While it isn't happening physically this year, virtual attendees can still look forward to an enormous slate of indie and mainstream movies, many of which will be released in the coming months. Uh, how do I get into this virtual Sundance? That's what I'd like to know. If you're a horror fan, and of course you are, because why else would you be here? Not only on this website, but also on this show. <laughs> We've identified the most exciting genre offerings of Sundance 2021. Have a look at our picks below. All right, the first one, The Blazing World. Uh, United States, director Carlson Young. It gives you the writers, the producers, synopsis. Decades after the accidental drowning of her twin sister, a self-destructive young woman returns to her family home, finding herself drawn to an alternate dimension where her sister might still be alive. It's starring Udu Kair, Carlson Young, Dermot Mulroney. There's a name I haven't heard in a while. Uh, Vanessa Shaw, John Karna, uh, Soko, world premiere. So, Dermot Maroney, man, that's, uh, I don't know if you guys know him or not. You should. You've definitely seen him. He's been in a ton of movies. It's good to see his name back on a movie again. Next movie on the list is called Censor. This is a UK movie. 
synopsis when film censor Ina discovers an eerie horror that speaks directly to her sister's mysterious disappearance, she resolves to unravel the puzzle behind the film and its enigmatic director, a quest blurring the lines between fiction and reality in terrifying ways. It, it stars Nima Algar, Nicholas Burns, Vincent Franklin, Sophia Laporta, Adrian Schiller, Michael Smiley. Next is Coming Home in the Dark. A family's outing descends into terror when teacher Alan Hopes, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to butcher this, Hogan, Hogan Rad, I definitely butchered Rad, butchered that, his wife Jill and stepsons Micah and Jordan explore an isolated coastline. An unexpected, unexpected meeting with a pair of drifters, the enigmatic psychopath Mandrake and his accomplice Tubbs thrust the family into a nightmare when they find themselves captured. All right, storyline sounds a little bit cliche, but you never know. Starring uh, Daniel uh, Giles, Eric Thompson, Miriamma McDowell, Matthias Laufutu. So, like I said, storyline's a little cliche, but you never know. Next on the list is Eight for Silver, a U.S. movie in, with France. It's a U.S. France movie. Don't see a lot of those. Uh, in the late 1800s, a man arrives in a remote country village to investigate an attack by a wild animal, but discovers a much deeper, sinister force that has, that has both the manor and the townspeople in its grip. Ooh, this sounds like a werewolf movie. Can we be getting a werewolf movie in 2021? I don't know. We gotta wait, but that's exactly what this sounds like. It stars Boyd Holbrook, Kelly Riley, Alistair Petrie, Roxanne Duran. That rhymes, Roxanne Duran. Ayn Rose Day Daily. Next on the list is Knocking, Swedish movie. When Molly arrives into her new apartment after a tragic accident, a strange noise from upstairs begins to unnerve her. As its, inten as its intensity grows, she confronts her neighbors, but no one seems to hear what she is hearing. Again, a little, it's been done before. Uh, sounds like a, another paranormal movie. But just because the storyland has been done before doesn't mean that it can't be a great movie done completely differently with an entirely new twist and spin on a story that is similar to others that we have seen in the past. Uh, Lisa writes he was in the gray. Um, let's see. Uh, Singer writes, Viz, do you think maybe Negan in the cabin is talking to Carol, explaining how he became Negan? We know it, we know, sorry. Uh, and it was maybe right after he killed Alpha when the two of them were out talking. Anything is possible. That sounds pretty logical to me. It could definitely be that, you know? 
And Lisa, are you referring to Dermot Maroney uh, being in the gray? Um, let's see. Singer Chick also writes, now in my head I'm hearing the song. I hear you knocking. <laughs> so anyway, uh, neighbor hearing strange noises that no one else can hear. Definitely a paranormal movie. Next is a movie that we actually did an article on on Dead Talk News just the other day. It stars Nicolas Cage, and the movie is called Prisoners of the Ghostland. And this is an anticipated movie because it's the uh, American film debut of a very highly touted Japanese horror uh, director by the name of Sion Sono. Okay, it is a U.S. movie. It is his U.S. debut. The synopsis of the movie is a notorious criminal is sent to rescue an abducted woman who has disappeared into a dark supernatural universe. They must break the evil curse that binds them and escape the mysterious uh, revenants that rule the ghost land. And an, it's an east meets, sorry, east meets west vortex of beauty and violence. Like I said, it stars Nicolas Cage, Sofia Butella, Nick Cassavetes, or Cassavetes, whichever way you want to uh, uh, pronounce it. Bill Mosley is also in it. For those of you that don't know, Bill Mosley is a big-time horror actor. He appeared in Rob Zombie's uh, House of a Thousand Corpses and a lot more. Uh, and yeah, he's huge. So it's good to see Bill again on the screen. And of course, I've, I've always been a Nicolas Cage fan. Next on the list is Violation Canada. All right. Let's see. A troubled woman on the edge of divorce returns home to her younger sister after years apart. But when her sister and brother-in-law betray her trust, she embarks on a vicious crusade of revenge. Okay. Short synopsis. I'm sure there's a lot of stuff they left out. Uh, they must have betrayed her in a really wicked way for her to go on a vicious crusade of revenge. That's their quote. The cast, Madeline Sims uh, Fewer, Anna McGuire, Jesse La Vericombe, Obi Abili, Jasmine uh, Gale, I'm going to butcher this too, Galejo, I think that's how it's pronounced, Samathia Asperger, uh, so that's it. Those are the big names that are appearing in Sundance, the big horror names that are going to be premiering one week at the Sundance Film Festival. So, my, my, I go back to my original question. Since it's going to be virtual, you know, I guess you got to be in the industry as either uh, a movie studio, uh, press of some sorts, to get access to these movies and to see the film festival. And I'm sure they have that list already made out. But I would love to see some of these some of these movies. Uh, Viel on Facebook writes, "Thank you so much, Viz, for the latest news. No problem. I love sharing this stuff with you guys." 
Welcome to Die on Instagram, Thiago and Muhammad joined us on Instagram as well. So let's go through some of these next stories. And, you know, when I see an article about The Thing, I love The Thing with Kurt Russell. It was a movie that was just so ahead of its times when it came out in the 80s. It's a classic. And they're calling it the classic horror film that fans are calling the perfect pandemic movie. I could see that. I can totally see that. The ongoing COVID pandemic has to varying degrees made recluses of pretty much all of us. Fortunately, we live in an age in which entertainment has never been easier to come by. Ain't that the truth? Streaming services spend billions to bring us exciting, original, and licensed content, and major studios have made moves to ensure that a goodly number, goodly, is that even a word? That a goodly number of theatrical releases of 2020 and 2021 can be viewed in the comfort and safety of our own homes. Notably, Warner Brothers announced that its entire 2021 slate, which includes such hotly anticipated releases as The Matrix 4, Godzilla vs. Kong, for me it's the next one, The Conjuring, The Devil Made Me Do It, will drop on its HBO Max platform concurrently with their respected, then they should add the word, their very limited theatrical releases for no additional fee. Uh, Welcome Amelia on YouTube. Lindsay Sparks writes, I agree with you, Viz. The Thing is amazing movie, and Kurt Russell is fantastic. How can you not like The Thing? I mean, like I said, it came out in the 80s, but it was a movie that was just so well ahead of its time that you can watch it today and not even know that it was a movie that came out almost 40 years ago. The film and television industry's laser focus on streaming has made it easy for fans to take deep dives into their favorite genres, and in uncertain and often scary times, many of those fans find solace in horror flicks, and that's true. God knows how many articles we read and how many scientific studies have been done recently on why A, people turn to horror movies, and B, turn to horror movies in times of pandemics. So, and, you know, I'm going to go back and say it again. What the COVID pandemic did is put the rush on Hollywood, uh, really changing their model much sooner than they expected from movies being released at theaters to movies going to streaming services. Now, they are also creating a problem with every studio creating multiple streaming platforms. HBO has HBO Max, and they've announced they're going to come out with several more streaming platforms. More than likely, each one is going to have its own separate fee. Almost every network and studio has a streaming platform. A lot of them are subscription-based. That's where it's going to get kind of sticky. 
Because if you want to watch a movie from Studio A and a movie from Studio B that are on two entirely different streaming platforms, that $5.99, $8.99, $10 a month for each service adds up. And it adds up quickly. So to them, you know, each individual studio, if they're looking at it from their own company's perspective, they're like, hey, you know what? That's great. It's our movie. We're letting it have it. We're giving it to our audience for, what, $9 a month, as well as all the other movies on our playlist. What? That's great about it. But from the viewer's perspective, we don't watch movies exclusively from a single studio. That's not how we operate. Okay, uh, we watch movies from Marvel. We watch movies from Warner Brothers, uh, Fox. We don't care. If a movie comes out and it sounds interesting to us, we're not going to say, oh, I'm not going to watch that because it is from Universal. I've never heard anyone say that. So they're going to have to figure out a way because this is going to get out of control. Uh, and they were not prepared. The road to that we're on right now, or we're pretty much there already, where these movies are being switched from theatrical releases to video on demand, you could see that coming a mile away. COVID just really moved up the timeline. And now you have all these studios production companies and distributors that are rushing to come out with models that A, are profitable, because that is the most important thing to them, uh, and B, make it easy and affordable for the viewer to watch their content. And it's going to be really fascinating over the months to come, and even years to come, to see how this all plays itself out. Because every studio releasing its own streaming services, charging their own fees, that is not going to work in the long run. It really isn't. So I'm really curious what they're going to come up with. Anyway, continuing on with the article, of course, that catharsis can often be even more profound if those scares edge right up to the borders of the real world, which is why a fictional allegory for, say, a deadly pandemic might have a particular thematic resonance right now. Zombies like George Romero's Living Dead series, Fright Flicks featuring a society in collapse like I Am Legend and Bird Box, and body horror offerings like David Cronenberg's classic The Fly can all fit in this bill in different ways. But recently, fans on Reddit have singled out one film as being the most thematically appropriate to life in the age of COVID. We all can help but agree, but it also happens to be one of the greatest horror movies of all time. Uh, there we go. I love, uh, what a great movie. The movie is John Carpenter's The Thing, 
which was so far ahead of its time. Hey, I said that before even reading this article. So, hmm. Anyway, the thing which was so far ahead of its time that upon its 1982 release that critics and audience alike simply didn't know what to make of it. This is, in fact, the real reason the thing flopped at the box office. Its plot follows the crew of scientific research station in Antarctica, including a tough-as-nails helicopter pilot, McReady, which is Kurt Russell's character, who becomes their de facto leader once all hell breaks loose. After a bizarre skirmish involving a runaway sled dog with the panicked members of a nearby Norwegian outpost, during which the American station commander is forced to shoot the Norwegians dead in self-defense, McCready and the station's doctor investigate the foreign station to find nothing but frozen corpses, with one of them hideously deformed. Not only are they frozen, but there is strong evidence that they were all burned. So, what do they do? They bring the poor dog back to their camp, and little did they know by doing that, they brought the fate of what happened to the Norwegian outpost directly into their doors. And all hell breaks loose in their outpost in Antarctica. That's just a nice little summary of The Thing. If you guys have not watched The Thing, I mean, I don't know what to tell you. Go out there and watch it. (laughs) It doesn't get any better than The Thing. So, moving on. uh, Let's see, where do we want to go next? Gateway Horror in Something Wicked this way comes something wicked this way comes is a sensational piece of gateway horror even more sensational however is just how resonant it becomes as you age the horrors of ray bradbury's 1962 novel and the disney light terror of of jack clayton's 1983 filmic adaptation are amplified. The insidious undercurrent of childhood fears in retrospect becomes all the more frightening as an adult. In other words, Something Wicked This Way Comes is a perennial piece of gateway horror for a reason. Let's go ahead and watch this. An electric storm to clean your streets and wash away your troubles. For every heart, there exists a wish. You ever play the numbers, Mr. Holloway? Eh? Hey. Uh, never take risks. For every soul, there burns a desire. Oh, hey, you Always was. It smells to me like we're gonna have visitors. But never whisper your dreams, for someone might be listening. (laughs) And for every wish, there will be a price. 
reminds me of the newest Wonder Woman movie. For every desire, there will be a cost. Three o'clock. We call it the soul's midnight. My name is Mr. Dark. I advise you to respect it. Dad, please be careful. Will. Uh, these boys I'm looking for. Perhaps you know them? Fine boy, fine. Both of them quite a credit to this little town, if you want to know the truth. I do want to know the truth, sir. And the truth is that you are lying. I am pricking up my butt something wicked this wake up. Then rang the bells, both loud and deep. God is not dead, nor doth he sleep. Where do you come from? The dust. Where do you go to? The grave. Yes. We are the hungry ones. Your torments call us like dogs in the night. And we do feed. And feed well. Tell me where the boys are hiding. And I can make you young again. Good old 80s vampire movie. Ray Bradbury's fantasy tale of light and darkness is getting closer. Something wicked this way comes. Alright. Alright. Uh, that was interesting. Never seen it. Never seen it. But that's gateway horror 80s style. <laughs> uh... Did not really attract me to watch it. Uh, but if you guys want to see it, Something Wicked This Way Comes. Talk about an odd title. Uh, anyways, basically a villainous carnival owner, uh, Mr. Dark, preys upon unsuspecting Midwestern townsfolk by granting wishes for a price. And the reason why I said that sounds very similar to Wonder Woman 1984, I'm not going to spoil it for those of you who have not watched it yet, but it has the same type of theme to it. So let's move on. How to watch the 2020 horror movie host streaming. I've talked a lot about this movie recently, and I can't say enough good things about it. Uh, this movie's... Uh, totally, it's a movie that is shot completely during a Zoom session. It's all virtual. They decide to hold an online seance via Zoom. Uh, the movie is less than one hour. It's about 57 minutes long. And as you can imagine, during that virtual seance on Zoom, all hell breaks loose. Uh, this is in my top three favorite horror movies of 2020. You guys have to watch it. It's available on Shudder. If you're a Shudder subscriber, uh, it's called Host. It's part of your subscription. And of course, it's available to rent or buy on any of the other major video on-demand platforms as well. So, let's go to the next one. Oh, 
How many of you guys out there have seen Lake Mungo? It's time to watch Lake Mungo, the most devastating horror movie ever made. I don't know if that's what I would call it. Uh, usually here at Collider.com, we like to revisit older films pegged to a particular hook, like a significant anniversary or major re-release. This look back at the 2008 Australian horror film Lake Mungo is, however, pegged to the overall concept of dread. That lingering sense of inevitable but unknowable doom that's been hanging over our heads for, I don't know, at minimum since March, the last four years, for the unlucky few of us born with stubbornly crisscrossed brain chemicals or our entire lives, Lake Mungo is dread in digital form. I space out my rewatches of this movie like I plan my teeth cleanings. The experience isn't exactly pleasant, but it's essential to have your ass absolutely handed to you by a horror movie from time to time. The only feature film making effort to date by writer-director Joel Anderson, Lake Mungo is a ghost story built from grief, one that immediately recognizable to anyone who has ever lost someone or briefly lost themselves. It's devastating, it's terrifying, and I think every single person with a pulse should watch it at least once and then immediately call their loved ones. And it's a great movie. I'm not knocking it. Uh, it really is a great movie. And you guys know I'm into these kind of movies. It's definitely worth watching. Would I call it the most devastating horror movie of all time? Uh, no. <laughs> I would not. Uh, it's, a, it's just a great horror movie. And it's a paranormal movie. Uh, it's Australian. And I would definitely recommend you guys watch it. So let's talk about today's topic. We are going to be focusing in on Stephen King today. Now, what can you say about Stephen King? We've mentioned him uh, several times over the last several episodes. The greatest horror writer probably of all time. Uh, no other author out there can claim 40 of their written works have been converted to on-screen adaptations like Stephen King's work has. Uh, he's brilliant. He is not exclusively a one horror subgenre type writer. He wrote movies, uh, books like Stand By Me, Christine, The Shining, and on and on and on. Uh, all very different from each other. So Watch Mojo did a top 10 of what they believe are his 10 best movie adaptations. Like I said, this guy has 40 on-screen adaptations of his work, his written work. You know, for example, take J.K. Rawlings, you know, who wrote the Harry Potter books, 
and she's a billionaire because of that. Uh, and what? She only had several, like all the Harry movie, Parapotamus, seven of them converted to the screen. So let's go ahead and watch, watch Mojo's, uh, basically, sorry, I started it before I was ready. This is their pick of, uh, the top 10 Stephen King adaptations. And let's see if we agree or disagree. He sure can tell a story. You just better start showing me a little more appreciation around here, Mr. Man. Welcome to WatchMojo.com, and today we're counting down our picks for the top 10 Stephen King adaptations. It'd be hard for me to pick one. It really would be. To pick the best one, I don't think For I this do list, that. we've chosen big screen films or made-for-TV movies and series based on the writings of Stephen King that we felt did the most justice to their source material. Number 10, The Dead Zone. Bless wow, me. This made the top 10. God's been a real sport to me. This David Cronenberg directed King flick tracks Johnny Smith, who awakens from a coma with psychic powers. <laughs> you know, the kind where touching someone helps you solve murders. I stood there, I saw his face. Predict nuclear holocaust. The missiles are flying. Hallelujah. Or foresee the demise of a young hockey team. The ice is gonna break! With Christopher Walken and Martin Sheen lending credibility to the adaptation, the story transcends its status as a supernatural thriller and becomes just believable enough to be terrifying. Number 9, The Stand. There's a storm coming! His storm! For those of you that don't know, The Stand Described is... Described by uh, King as his own Lord of the Rings out. set in modern-day America. The Stand is so long, it was trans... For those of you that don't know, The Stand is actually uh, a TV series now on CBS All Access. So if you're interested in it being redone again, you can, if you have CBS All Access, check it out. ...formed into a TV miniseries rather than a movie. We are dead this is hell. When a super virus eradicates humankind, a group of survivors must choose between good and evil in a post-apocalyptic world. For these crimes, they are sentenced to death by dismemberment. Despite notable changes from page to screen, the ensemble cast did a valiant job bringing this multi-storyline epic to life. My life for you! Number eight, it. I'm not supposed to take stuff from strangers. My dad said so. Very wise of your dad, Georgie. Very wise indeed. Pennywise is why you're afraid of clowns. With Tim Curry in the lead role, Hi. this two-part TV miniseries makes all too real the story of a group of small-town friends that's terrorized by an evil, shape-shifting being. Demon. Featuring many indispensable Stephen King story elements, this adaptation earned mixed reviews, but Curry and the child actors were praised for their parts in the most terrifying thing ever on network TV. I'll show you how to slow down. 
Number seven, the mist. What is it, Daddy? Mist. Adapt. The 2007 mist movie is a Darabont uh, film, and it has a lot of the original Walking Dead cast. Uh, Dale's in it. Uh, uh, Andrea's in it. Melissa McBride is in it. A lot of them, uh, because it's Frank Darabont, and Frank Darabont is the one that brought. The Walking Dead, uh, finally to the screen, uh, after so many networks rejected it, AMC picked it up. Adapted from a novella in King's Dark Forces anthology, this is both a monster movie and a survival story, brought to the screen by longtime King collaborator Frank Darabont. What are you proposing? That we all That's prepare. That's Dale. Meet our maker. Oh, prepare to meet shit. A fog rolls in to a small main town, bringing with it inhuman creatures that prey on townsfolk. What the? F Get off! With rich characters and dialogue, and an ending that strays drastically from King's original, The Mist will definitely stay with you for a while. Number six, Carrie. I love Carrie. Though King's first novel has been adapted in multiple media, it's Brian De Palma's version that's considered a seminal horror flick. Trust me, Carrie. You can trust me. Trust me, Carrie. You can trust me. The shy, introverted Carrie is ostracized at school and bullied at home by her religious zealot mother. But soon she realizes she possesses psychic gifts. With Sissy Spacek in the Oscar-nominated title role, the tension steadily mounts, culminating in one of the most horrifying prom scenes imaginable. Number five, Stand by Me. You guys want to go see a dead body? With his novella *The Body* from the Different Seasons collection, King highlighted his talent for writing kids. That story was then adapted by Rob Reiner as a coming-of-age tale featuring a wealth of talented We young actors. Hey, you guys! I bet you anything that if we find him, we'll get our pictures in the paper. Yeah, yeah, we can even be on TV. Sure, we'll be heroes. Yeah. Though the plot follows the group as they search for a missing boy's corpse. It focuses less on death than on life and childhood friendships. And you thought Stephen King only wrote horror? We'd only been gone two days, but somehow the town seemed different, smaller. Number four, misery. To misery. Who wants to guess and what number one is? I have no idea what number back one pick is, but who oh, wants Paul, to lay a guess? I get goosebumps every time I think about it. Reiner's next stab at King's work was less sentimental. After crashing his car, a novelist is rescued by his biggest fan, who takes him to her isolated home. You've got a lot of recovering to do, and I consider it an honor that you'll do it in my home. But Annie Wilkes, played by Oscar winner Kathy Bates, is frightfully unbalanced, and when she discovers he's killed nice off her favorite character, things go from bad to worse. Oh, I see her chick says the shining. Hey, please! 
Though the movie softens the book's grisliest scenes, it's still a chilling adaptation. God, I love you. Number three, The Green Mile. Dead man walking! You know how many people Dead don't know this is a Stephen King book? Mystical rather than paranormal, this emotional King prison story was made real by Frank Darabont, with Tom Hanks as a prison guard and Michael Clark Duncan as a giant, kindly, simple-minded death row inmate. The film is a study in great casting and acting. Can you tell? Yeah, this is a Stephen King book. Yes, suppose. A lot of people I don't know tell. that. Often considered a not-so-veiled retelling of the story of Jesus Christ, it's a Look, spiritual tale about a man who's more than what again. he seems. Don't put that thing Frank Darabont face. had his Don't people that dog. he liked to work with. I was afraid of the dog. And he brought a lot of them to The Walking Dead. Number two, The Shining. Oh, singer chick, you got close. Red Rock, Red the Rock, Shining is number Red two. So what is number Citing one? omitted themes and plot points, King famously denounced Stanley Kubrick's interpretation of his horror novel as a loose adaptation rather than a faithful retelling. It is. It is very loose. But still a great movie. Forever. Even so, The Shining is one of cinema's most unsettling films. Uh, I just want to, uh, you know, touch on that a little more. The book The Shining... You know, see the sequel to The Shining, Dr. Sleep. That is more to what The Shining is really all about. Kubrick did the movie, and the movie's amazing. All right? Stephen King wasn't happy because it was a very, very loose adaptation to what he wrote. And Kubrick took the movie, and he made it about a family that's keeping an eye on a hotel that is not occupied during the winter time in a very secluded area in Colorado. Uh, and it's haunted. Uh, a very different thing. I mean, the title is The Shining. And uh, a lot of people, after watching this movie, loved the movie. But they were questioning the title. What? What's The, what's the Shining? Anyway, watch Doctor Sleep and you'll learn exactly what The Shining is. Anchored by an unnerving Jack Nicholson performance, it ambiguously recounts Jack Torrance's downward spiral over a winter spent holed up with his family at an inaccessible hotel, proving cabin fever is no laughing matter. Here's Johnny! <laughs> Number one, The Shawshank the Redemption. The Shawshank Redemption. Lisa Wow, Wilhelm. On Facebook, guessed it. Just like everybody else here. Congratulations, it was Lisa. Far from a box office hit. This critically acclaimed Frank Darabont film, based on the novella Rita Hayworth and Shawshank Redemption from King's Different Seasons Another collection, Darabont is film. undeniably a cinematic masterwork. But I'm telling you, these walls are funny. First you hate them, then you get used to them. As convicted killer Andy Dufresne's prison life is narrated expertly by his buddy Red, played by Morgan Freeman, themes at play include friendship, self-worth, and hope when confronted with adversity. And for the briefest of moments, every last man at Shawshank felt free. Demonstrating Stephen King is far from a one-trick pony.
All great movies. Do you agree with our list? Which Stephen King adaptations make you forget the book? Drop dead! I don't do requests. What movie do you think was left out that should have been in the top 10? Like I said, there's over 40 of them. I mean, hell, I'll bet you, even myself, don't even know that, don't, cannot retell you the entire list of 40 movies. Uh, but that was a great list. Shawshank, they're all great movies. Uh, Christine, uh, wonderful movie. Stand By Me, wonderful movie. Any one of those movies could have been number one. But if you're asking for me personally, my number one and two would be number one, Shining, and number two, Carrie. Now, that may change tomorrow. But for right now, for right here, right now, I would pick uh, The Shining as number one and Carrie as number two. But there's so many of them. There are so many of them. Anyway, that just goes to show you the brilliance behind Stephen King, his writing, and the... Uh, the adaptations that have been brought to us on the screen. I didn't realize until just watching that right now how much Frank Darabont has been involved in making Stephen King movies. You know, we've all heard, you know, how Darabont was this big name in Hollywood and how it all went down between AMC and him getting fired from The Walking Dead and the stir-up that that caused... That caused Jeffrey DeMunn, who played Dale, to want to be written off The Walking Dead uh, as the Dale character, which they did. But anyway, great list. Guys, thank you so much for tuning in tonight. Uh, it's been a privilege and an honor, as always. Visit our YouTube channel called Dead Talk Live. Visit us on the web at deadtalklive.com. Don't forget to visit our new uh, news outlet at deadtalknews.com. Next Tuesday, we have Sarah Paxton from the House on the Left and the Innkeepers as our special guest. You can get all this information on our website. I'll be back on the air again with you tomorrow night. Stay safe. And until then, guys, always stay walking. Good night.